We may not all be able to be Warren Buffett, Big Daddy B, but we can sure try to invest like him. So we have for you five steps where you can try as you may to invest like the one, the only, the great Wizard of Omaha, Warren Buffett. Hey, so what's up? I'm Russ, and thanks for stopping on by and swinging on by the channel and making me a part of your investing journey. I truly do appreciate that, where we are here to talk dividend growth investing on the channel. I have a little bit of news that I want to share with you that I found interesting before we get to the five fantastic steps that Warren Buffett uh, uses to invest. But first, this video is not brought to you by the company that brings you a bag of Muppet screams where they forced a Muppet to scream into a bag where you can smell its fear and absorb its power by obvious plant now in Kermit. So there's been a little bit of news. I found it interesting that Gap gapped down 19% recently to, uh, a level that it hasn't seen in quite a while. They expect a $650 million revenue hit. Now, the retail space has been getting hit pretty hard, and I just love these trends because I think it's really interesting how people just sell, and it shows me that a lot of people are playing different games than we are. So if you are a long-term investor, like we're going to get to in one of the, the tips here, I mean, for crying out loud, they're selling Yeezy hoodies, and it's just they're worried they're not going to be able to keep those Yeezy hoodies on the shelves because the supply chain constraints. So Gap, ticker GPS, they do pay a 12 cents per share dividend. That's almost a 2% yield right now. They are down, but not only are they down, even worse was Nordstrom, ticker JWN. Nordstrom dropped and had its worst day ever, fell 23%. Dios mio, everybody's panic selling because of the supply chain squeeze. Again, they're also expected to lose some revenue and they're worried about shortages and shelves going bare. So they are warning about product shortages. Uh, we've seen this with Nike and Abercrombie as well. It's just endemic right now in the retail space. Some de details, if you are a believer that this too shall pass and the supply chain will get figured out and next year is going to be brighter and greener pastures, I think these could be really interesting opportunities for a few companies that are down. Now, I don't shop at Gap or Nordstrom, so if you do, I'd love to hear about it. I've never set foot inside of a Gap store that I can remember, and it's been decades since I've gone to a Nordstrom I do believe I looked for my wife's my wife's my wife's wedding ring at a Nordstrom when I was shopping for that. Uh, Kohl's and Macy's, though, interestingly, did say they're back to pre-pandemic levels. So those stocks are up. Macy's, man, I wish I would have bought some Macy's. They pay that dividend. They're up. Interestingly, Jewel Labs is paying $14.5 million to the state of Arizona in a lawsuit. Now, they've been finishing paying out lawsuits. I think I saw $40 million in one of the Carolinas. They are just trying to make amends. They want to reset. Obviously, Altria is tied into Jewel, and they've been writing that down. I thought it was funny that Jewel under the Arizona laws, not allowed to market to anybody that's under the age of 21 in 
or in, obviously not in, but <laughs> that'd be great if Juul could market inside of schools, but uh, around schools or close to schools and on social media and Juul is not advertising at all right now. Fantastic information if you're an investor in Altria because I sure am and I don't know what's going to come of the Juul debacle, but hey, you know, they're trying to make amends. Dollar Tree, check it out. Also raised, they're raising everything 25%. So they're now going to be dollar 25 century, dollar and a quarter tree. This is permanent. They say it's not transition or transitory. Transition? No, transitory. It's not, it's not transitory. This is permanent. It's going to be sticking around. They're doing it. Uh, right now in a few stores, they're starting to roll it out, but it's going to hit nationwide. They say early in 2022 to all 8,000 stores. And I think the dollar stores, as inflation keeps going up, I think more people are looking for those bargains and those extreme de detail details deals. So I think that companies like Dollar Tree and Dollar General are going to be doing great, which realty income, if you've been watching, we covered uh, realty income, you get exposure to Dollar General as their landlord, which I think is pretty cool. So Dollar Tree's stock went up 9.2%. Their stock is up. So hey, maybe you should stock up before that 25 cent increase if you're not able to afford that. I want to roll right into it after I take a sip of some agua here. So while I'm taking a sip of this water, I would like you to think about something that I've actually been doing here. Uh, I have been trying to work on my inner scorecard. I've spent a lot of time, I'm very competitive and I I want to be the best and I want to catch the best. You know, Ric Flair, to be the best, you got to beat the best. But, you know, Rick might not have been working on his own inner scorecard. So think about what you want, what you desire and what are you better than you were yesterday? If you can be 1% better than you were yesterday, baby, I think we're winning the game and that's what life is about. We're getting somewhere. Yeah, buddy. Oh, I didn't say Dapper Dividends. That was the old timey Dapper Dividends. Ah, Dapper Dividends, 80s. So five steps to investing like Big Daddy B, Mr. Warren Buffett, numero uno is to look for a high margin of safety. Warren Buffett said the three most important words in investing are margin of safety. When there is a low book to uh, low price to book value, I swear I can read my own writing here. Low price to book value. Basically, you want to buy stuff on sale is what he looks to do. He looks to buy a dollar for 80 cents. If he can do that, he's doing that all day because you know that if you can get a buck for 80 cents, that it's worth a buck. And eventually, because as that old saying goes, that in the short term, the market is a voting machine. And in the long term, it's a weighing machine, kind of like what we just saw with Gap and Nordstrom. That's a short term problem, in my opinion. I think 23% is really overblown. But there's a lot of fund managers, there's a lot of traders, there's a lot of people that got stopped out, algorithms, trigger sells. There's a million reasons why people can sell and things may go down. So if you're buying something, which we're going to get to in a second here, I don't want to spoil it. So 
Look for stuff that's on sale. And if you can buy something that's under book value, then it's probably undervalued and it's a good buy. So that's one metric he looks is for a high margin of safety. Plus, you know that it's if if you're buying a dollar for 80 cents, it's just it's just safe and eventually it's going to get back to a dollar. Number two, does the company have a durable competitive advantage or as we also call it an economic moat? Warren Buffett and the interpretation of financial statements is one of my favorite books. My friend over in Ireland, Engineer My Freedom, who is on uh, Twitter was recommended this book to me in the beginning of summer. I've gone through it twice. I've taken notes. I'm applying it. I'm I'm learning it. I'm becoming one with the book. I, I'll have the link in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to this on a podcast. It's an affiliate link. So I would get probably, I don't know, a, few, a buck or something if you buy it off Amazon through my link. But it is really just a solid book. I would recommend buying it and going through it the first time, underlining things you think are interesting. But some of the things from there, just really quickly, are looking for companies that have solid financials, good balance sheets, companies that have low research and development. I thought this was interesting because if you think about it, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, well, at least for the soft drink side, They're not spending a whole heck of a lot on research and development, but companies in the automotive industry, uh, a lot of the chip makers, technology companies, super competitive. So a telltale is if a company is always spending more and more on research and development, if those costs are rising, then there's a strong chance that they are in a highly competitive industry and it's tough to have an economic moat in a highly competitive industry. So look at, he looks for low research and development costs, high total assets. If a company like Pepsi has $76 billion in total assets, that is an insanely high barrier to competition, to a competitor just starting up and competing with them on that level. But if a company has, I don't know, a billion dollars in assets, total assets, you know, that's that's not much these days and a startup could come in and compete right away. So companies that are not asset heavy, like a lot of the tech companies, that's why you see some of these startups just pop up overnight seemingly and then they're just challenging the big dogs. But for my beautiful companies like Procter & Gamble, McDonald's, Pepsi, Johnson & Johnson, really tough. They have such big moats, it's really hard for a startup to just come in and compete with that also consistent net earnings and retained net earnings. You want to see those both of those metrics growing. You can find them on the financial statements, on the consolidated uh, financial sheets. You want to see net earnings. You need that. You have to have not only money coming in, but retained earnings. Are they able to retain it? And they're not just dumping a ton of it out onto debt or other ventures that aren't bringing back a return on the invested capital. And also you want to see that inventory and net earnings are rising together because if there's increased sales, that means there's going to be more inventory needed to facilitate that demand. But where you get into trouble is when you see on the balance sheet that from one year to the next that there's spikes and big dips 
in uh, inventory, and that shows a highly competitive market. And if there's a big glut of inventory, then something may have changed and they're not able to move that. So you want to see that it's just kind of consistent that net earnings and inventory are rising together. Number three, and this is one that we love around here, the third step is to consider if the company pays a dividend. <clears throat> now, Berkshire, Warren Buffett's baby, does not pay a dividend. And a lot of people find that interesting, but it makes sense when you look at his rationale. The reason that Berkshire doesn't pay a dividend is because Warren wants to return value to shareholders in a way that's not taxable until they sell. He loves not paying taxes and you don't pay taxes until you sell. But when we receive dividends, we have to pay income tax on those dividends if it's outside of a tax or if it's outside of a tax advantaged account. So he would much rather return value to shareholders in the form of share buybacks, which will increase the price of the company. And Berkshire is always buying back shares like crazy. So, but he likes dividends. He will pay the income tax on receiving them. He just doesn't want to pay it. So ideally, if you look for a company that has uh, is buying back shares and growing their dividend and has good free cash flow that's constantly rising, those are solid uh solid ways to look for a company that could have a durable competitive advantage. And there's a joke that because Berkshire paid a dividend one time in 1967, Warren Buffett says he was in the bathroom when that decision was made and they don't pay dividends anymore. They cut that out quick. So dividends, we love to see them consistently growing, which is the impetus for this channel, dividend growth investing. Secondly, oh, and you know what? The strong businesses, that's another thing. Mostly mature businesses, they're not going to have a lot of capital appreciation. The share price isn't going to appreciate, but they get so much cash flow and they can't really grow much more. So they just return more and more uh, cash to us, the shareholders, and we can use that money to live off of. And that's one thing that I love is I truly don't want to sell these companies that I'm buying, I really am trying to hold them forever. Number four is to know your investment. Can you explain the business to an eight or an 80 year old in a sentence or two? How simple is that business? If you struggle to explain the business you're going to invest in, like McDonald's, they make hamburgers. Microsoft, they make computers and computer programs people can use. PepsiCo, they make soda and f snack food. Simple. But there's companies that are, a lot of them, I like to use the uh, MBS, the mortgage-backed securities, the, uh, the MREITs, the mortgage REITs. You know, I start looking into some of them and there are just all kinds of uh, reverse credit swap, default swaps. There's derivatives that I've never heard of. It's just really hard for me to understand. And those kinds of companies, I don't see Warren investing in. He invested in Apple. They make, they make phones and they make computers. 
there you go. You can explain that to an eight-year-old. So do you know what you're investing in? And are you able to explain that? Because Warren loves to invest in companies that the average person can understand because it means they have a simple product and it's in his circle of competence. So he always looks for simple businesses to invest in. But then there's always a flip side on that too because Amazon started with books and I guess you can look, can they branch out? Can they scale? Where is the growth for some of these companies where Amazon, we didn't know they were going to take over the world and maybe they can... Start with cars next. I mean, they're in the cloud, they're in the books, they're in food, they're in retail. They are just everywhere. And the last and number five one is, can you see yourself holding this for 10 years before you buy it? Warren Buffett's favorite period to hold for is forever. He wants to hold stocks forever, so he says. Now, obviously, they buy and sell, but ideally, it's forever. And he has said, if you can't see yourself holding, <clears throat> if <laughs> let's try that again. If you can't see yourself holding this company for 10 years, then you probably shouldn't buy it. And this is something that I use quite a bit. I When I buy Johnson & Johnson, absolutely, I can see myself holding them for 10 years. McDonald's, yes. Starbucks, of course, I can see us holding Starbucks for 10 years. There's other companies that are a little riskier, like uh, they don't pay a dividend, but Tesla, they're the king of the hill now until they're not. When will that be? It could be in two years. It could be in 200 years. We don't know. Procter & Gamble, I think I could see myself holding them for the next 50 years. I don't think Procter & Gamble is going anywhere. So again, if you can't see yourself holding it, for 10 years comfortably and swanning, sleeping well at night, then you probably shouldn't own it. So that's what I love about studying some of these people. We may not be able to be them, these famous investors, but Warren Buffett has said that when he dies, he wants to be remembered not as a great investor, but as a teacher. He, If you haven't, listened to one of the Berkshire Annual Meetings Really good stuff, listening to the questions that people ask them to hear Buffett and Munger talking. They're, they're just two gems that are still with us, and they have left so much information. It will literally take me a lifetime to go through everything that they've said or done that we can, that we can study what they have indeed done. And again, I really highly recommend that book from Warren Buffett. So if you haven't, at least try and get it at the library if you don't want to buy it. But again, the link is in the description below. If you would like to buy it and help me out with uh, a buck or two, whatever I get from the uh, Amazon affiliate link as well. Yeah, let me know what you think. What are some of your favorite tips for investing? I'd really like to know what they are. And hey, I've had a good time doing this. If you have enjoyed this, give me some ideas for another episode or what you'd like to hear me talk about. And as I say, if you were helped in any way, shape, or form, please don't hesitate and consider liking and subscribing the video because it helps you, it helps me, it helps the algorithm, and it helps the world to be a better and much happier place where we can all live in peace and harmony. Yeah. So... <laughs> Anyway, I love it. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in, checking this out, and I will see you in the next video.
or podcast if you're listening on podcast land.